0: Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Megan.
1: And I'm Deidre. And today I'm going to start with a quote. It is, connection is the remedy. Connection with myself, connection with others, connection with God. And just plop that little truth bomb right there. Uh, we're going to dig into the remedy to what in just a second. But that quote is from Andy Culver's new book, new-ish book, pretty new, uh, Strong Like Water, which Megan and I are both reading right now because it is fantastic, just fantastic. And we wish we would have read this before we tried to record about attachment styles because she does a beautiful job weaving all of that together. Uh, But there's so much this book covers and we're not going to do a book report on today's (laughs) episode. But there is this chapter and these concepts about connection and how it is the remedy to the fear and activation of aloneness and so let's dig in it's such a good topic there's so much good stuff in this book and we'll link this book in our notes too so you can definitely go check it out Uh, highly recommend
0: it what are your thoughts on this? well I'm making a mental note to go reach out to Andi Colbert to see if she'll come be on our podcast and talk about this book more in detail with us at another time so mental mental note there She does follow me on Instagram. Yeah. And she's kind of of crazy. I think she's liked a few of your things, right? (laughs) Well, that I highlighted that quote immediately when I read it. Connection is the remedy. I mean, we literally, I feel like I've said the thing about the horizontal and vertical relationship, like relationship with others, relationship with God, like on the last, like what, two or three episodes that we've recorded. So when I read that the other night, I was like, that's what we have been talking about. And then the fact that she included like the connection with self, which has also been like such a huge theme that we've been talking about over the last, I don't even know how many months now, but that connection and feeling connected, it is the remedy. I mean, not to drop a Brené Brown little thing in here, but that's what she has said as the social researcher of shame for how many years now, right? That vulnerability and connection is always the remedy to shame, so what Andy is saying is connection, this kind of connection is also the remedy to other types of triggers and activation.
1: And I think it's so important to note that um, trauma happens in the context of community. We're not, yeah. we're not traumatized by just being within our own cells. It's the disconnection from a parental caregiver, the abuse of someone, the neglect of something, right? Uh, so unfortunately that means healing has to come by the same means and it comes through community. Uh, and it seems counterintuitive. It's the last thing we want when we've been hurt by people to have to be in connection with people to be healed. But it is just true over and over again. Everybody is saying this comes out of all the research. Um, our most primal wounds come from disconnection and that's disconnection with God. It's disconnection from a primary caregiver. It's disconnection from, primary relationships, important relationships, um, where do we and from ourselves and from ourselves because of all that pain, we disconnect from ourselves and we leave our own bodies. That's like what you are saying. That's why we've been talking about embodiment practices. How do we return to ourselves in a way that is meaningful? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of outside of this book, I know I was telling you personally, something God was speaking to me recently, just in a time of worship was there's that scripture, first Corinthians 13, the love scripture, the one we all have memorized. So we just kind of gloss over it and don't really pay attention. And something caught my attention that it's not just to love because that is like such a generic word in our language anymore. It almost holds no meaning, but it is, I am loved. Even as I am fully loved, I am known even as I am fully known. Mm -hmm. And that is what the Lord does to reconnect us to ourselves. He reconnects us to him in that real intimacy of knowing and being fully seen. And that is a connection piece. That's something like every infant needs, right? They need someone looking for them and attending and attuning to them. And then connection is established. And it's when that connection is not there that we have these other disordered attachment styles, but um, it's so powerful to hear the way she lays this out, just being in the presence of God and the witness of God, how that's so similar to how a child finds regulation being rocked in someone's arms, right? It's the regular, it's the heartbeat of the one who's holding them, their own regulation. That's bringing a co-regulation to the infant as they're being nurtured and cared for. And we don't really grow out of needing that. It just takes on different forms.
0: I am just listening to you thinking about listening to Hillary McBride talking on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and the sound of her voice that was just so regulated and so soothing that that just sometimes hearing the voice of someone who's regulated is a co-regulation strategy. And then I think of all the parenting I've done for the last 15 years where I was not regulated in my discipline, or I was not regulated in my own fear, or I was not regulated in whatever situation I was trying to handle that then just escalates the situation because if I'm not regulated, I cannot co-regulate any of my children. So <laughs>
1: it's, it's all
0: a thing. It is. It's so true. That's why things
1: like breathing techniques are powerful. It's a way of regulating ourselves. Um
0: I have a story. Yeah. I, didn't tell you, I didn't tell you this. Okay. So um, Kaylin recently had a little music recital at her school. She's in third grade, my daughter. And she was very, very nervous on the way to school that morning. And I said, hey, do me a favor. You're going to breathe in through your nose for four seconds. You're going to hold it for four seconds. You're going to breathe out through your mouth through your mouth for four seconds. And then we're going to take a four second break. And then we're going to do it again. It's called box breathing. And so she started doing that. And so did my almost 15 year old in the car next to me. And the three of us were all just kind of breathing in unison on the way to school. And it was so peaceful. And even Jory was like, that feels good. And Kalen's like, oh, I'm not scared now. And I was like, I just co-regulated them. And I didn't even know we were going to be talking about that. So I just want (laughs) to point that
1: out. I'd like to give a little shout out to Kendall and Janelle if they're listening because <laughs> they're our breathing people and Meg and Meg on an episode where she taught us all how to breathe for yeah. all of us who hold our breath and for all of us who panic at the thought of
0: controlling our breathing or focusing on our breathing. I, is- also told, I also told them that when they feel tense during the day they should remove their tongue from the roof, the roof of the mouth to like relieve the tension and then they both went wait what do I do with my tongue now where does my tongue go? <laughs> So that caused a whole nother panic. So, (laughs) And then we started breathing
1: again. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, man, there's so many directions we can go here. Um, One of the things that I think we both can identify with is feeling alone and the fear that that can bring. Like, it's almost Mm -hmm. worse to be around people and have that feeling of aloneness than it is even to be like in solitude. That's not necessarily scary. Right. But right. Feeling like you're not connected somewhere else, anchored somewhere else, soothed somewhere else. Uh, Dr. Kurt Thompson always talks about being seen safe and secure. And those, those are things like safety, maybe you could have alone potentially if there'd be no threat, but you can't be seen alone. You can't be yeah. soothed all the time alone. Sometimes you learn how to soothe yourself. But like infants, they, they need the soothing of someone else. So it's interesting to kind of connect that in a, um, relational way. Yeah. But you had something you wanted to talk about, about fear, um, specifically, cause she's like, you know, fear is safety's a concern, right? Fear is a, an appropriate response sometimes.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we've had a lot of conversations on here about how emotions themselves are neutral and they're just signals and they're telling us something to pay attention to. And it's really kind of changed how I parent, um, especially my younger daughter. And, um, since I'm just going to keep talking about the two of them, I will, but when Jory was little, if she woke up in the middle of the night or couldn't fall asleep because she was afraid I would go quote Bible verses to her. Right. Well, the Lord did not give you a spirit of fear. And, um, you know he's with us, and perfect love drives out fear, and things that I believe are absolutely true, and we can hold on to, but it's not really solving the problem. It's just teaching her how to dismiss the fact that she was feeling afraid. And so I, learning all of this, I'm parenting Kaylin a little bit differently, so uh, she can wake up in the middle of the night and kind of call down to me, or, or not be able to fall asleep, and I'll go, okay, well your body's telling you that you're afraid. So can you go ahead and thank your body for giving you a signal to pay attention to? Like before we even know what it is, just go ahead and thank your body. And so she will, she'll go, thanks for telling me I'm afraid. And then I'll say, do you know what you're afraid of? And then she'll say whatever it is. And I'll say, okay, so what can you see, touch, smell? here, whatever, that makes you think that that's a threat or that's not a threat. And so if it's something where she can look and go, okay, yeah, there's no threat here, then like she's teaching her body, like, thank you for telling me to be afraid, but there's no threat here, I'm safe, and we can go to sleep now or if there's still maybe potential for a threat then she brings me into the picture to help her assess whether or not there's a real threat. But either way she's honoring the fact that her body is trying to tell her something and that way she can cycle through the fear of it and get to the end of it rather than just pushing it away dismissing it and then not able to sleep the rest of the night, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when my husband travels for work and I am sleeping alone in the bed, sometimes I can't sleep because I'm afraid of whatever it is and just being like, "Megan, you're a grown up, don't be afraid." doesn't actually help me sleep more peacefully at night. Right. <laughs> I get that. I won't get into my
1: stories about that, but I'm the same way. <laughs> I actually just was listening to something where Michelle Obama was talking about that in her newest book. It's uh she's talking about the fearful mind mm-hmm. and she doesn't use IFS language, so I don't know that that's how she's approaching it, but it sounds really IFSE because she's like I'm just grown really accustomed to my fearful mind. I I welcome it like an old friend now. Cause what I found was when I pushed it away and tried to ignore it, it just got louder. And it often was the one she didn't even say the phrase driving the bus, but she was like driving my actions. So basically the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I could acknowledge it and be like, well, hello, old friend, thanks for keeping me safe. But again, like you said, let's assess this. Is this a fear of just an unknown new thing? Because that's a good fear to have. It's a healthy, like, okay, but then I can assess, is this actually dangerous or is it just like, oh, it's, it's something new that I've never, I've never come this way before. And I have to kind of assess whether there's going to be danger or not. And then I can choose to move into it instead of just avoiding it. Um, But it's so true. Like even when we don't use IFS language, we still talk about ourselves that way. And when we can understand that fear is present for a reason and it doesn't have to be so loud to get our attention and make all the decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, just that idea of not pretending it's not there, but inviting just, it as part of the conversation to drive. What is the
0: longing I really have here?
1: What's the real need?
0: And, and then we're not spiritually bypassing ourselves. You know, like I said, those Bible verses aren't untruths. Like I believe them wholeheartedly. But what happens is if I can cycle Kalen through that fear cycle and get her to the end of that to assess the situation and then go, okay, now can we also recognize like you yourself are in a place of safety and you can trust that your body's going to alert you if you're not now, but also God is with you and he is a perfect love. And now you can rest in that perfect love, but I'm getting like, that's kind of coming at the end of it. Not that God's the least important, but if we start there, then we're bypassing everything that she, her body's telling her and she's learning not to trust herself and she's got to be able to trust herself as well as the Lord in those situations, because how do we ever trust God if we can't trust that we're hearing his voice? If we can't separate his voice from our voice, we have to know what our voice sounds like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think Andy Culver actually talks about that. Like when mm-hmm. you get to that point, then you sink into the connection he provides and that's where you find safety, but it's not acting like you're not afraid. Right. Cause then you're not really seeking his comfort in the same way. You're just trying to, like, say all the magic
0: words to make the emotion be quiet. Yeah, that he's like a wizard. He's a spell. He's like, oh, uh, apply a patch of God behind your ear and you won't be afraid the rest of the day. <laughs> like a motion sickness patch or something. Such a very specific picture you just painted. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not going to ward off the scary feelings.
1: Because he wired us to have it.
0: That would go up to alert
1: us when things weren't safe. And sometimes it's physical danger. Honestly, that's very seldom what it actually is for us in the world we live in today. It's often a recall of a memory Mm -hmm. because something was unsafe emotionally or relationally in the past. It might not be here, but that's where we need to know where it's coming from. So then we can be specific about what we need from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was painful to make a mistake in the past because that set off this chain of events. But actually right now, Lord, if I can sink into you and know that, it's okay that I made a mistake and you've covered me and you've, uh, you're here to soothe me and to see me even in my flaws. So that's an Enneagram one's view of how I would apply that. But you know, that uh, it is a real threat, even though it's not a physical danger that may be coming. It's a real threat because in the past, it wasn't safe to be in that situation for one reason or another. Maybe it brought disconnection relationally. So what is the answer to that? It's reconnection relationally. And I believe that the Lord can be there to be so beautiful in that. She actually says, I'm giving you one more quote. Safety is not the absence of threat, but the presence of connection. And I've heard that said before for like addiction, the um, sobriety is actually not the opposite of, you know, that's not what we're going for. Like if we're striving for sobriety, what we really need is connection. That becomes the thing that, deals with the addiction. Um, Did I say that right?
0: I think so. I was just thinking about the story I told last week about um, flying by myself Mm -hmm. and how I was able to find a different type of safety within my body on that one to trust myself. So there was like a self reconnection I had to do to get to that place. Um, And just thinking how on flights before I do feel better when I'm sitting next to you or my husband or something where there's a connection that even though I'm still scared of what this giant flying object is going to do, like there's someone next to me that's going to help kind of regulate that a little bit. So just in practical terms, like we do that all the time, right? We take someone with us on a roller coaster because we are scared to ride it alone for the first time or whatever. Like there's always connection that we look for.
1: Um, I have a problem with the psalm I'm about to read because it's... (laughs) It's quoted so often that it kind of doesn't have much meaning until you start digging into it. But I also think it's so related to funerals that that's why it has like a, it doesn't feel comforting to me. But when I read how she used it in the book and kind of broke it down, it just took on new meaning for me.
0: Do you don't, read it? No, I don't like Psalm 23 either because it's too known. I like the niche Psalms and I like the ones that. There's some scripture. I don't know. Maybe it's just having grown up in the church and then teaching Bible classes forever. But there's some scriptures that you don't even really see anymore because you've read them so often. Yes. Which is why I think like looking at different translations is good. But yeah, breaking down what the words actually mean and what it's really saying is like what she did with this is super helpful.
1: Well, we all we all know this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But what I geeked out about was not that she shared that passage, but that she started breaking down the Hebrew words in there, which is my jam. I think that's, how else do you really know what it means? I don't know, but fun fact, I have that memorized in the King James Version. That's how I memorized it as a kid. I do too. And so it was weird to read it out of her book because this is, I think, either NIV or something else. Because you
0: wanted to say thou anointest my head. (laughs) there's a lot of things i wanted to say instead surely
1: your goodness
0: goodness uh, and mercy
1: (laughs) i just hear it in the uh who's the actor from the ten commandments the moses charles heston voice is how i charlton
0: charlton charlton Heston. carl
1: I'm doing the Carlton dance in my little... Delete like, all I'm... of this. Edit uh-uh. this out. Carlton. I'm doing the Carlton.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I, have never know, I never know how to react when a grown woman does the Carlton in front of me.
1: <laughs> that's a little Ted Lasso quote for any of you who are also Ted Lasso fans.
0: <laughs> Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Yes. That's who I met. <laughs> you looked at me like I was dumb. I'm like, no, that's right. <laughs> I was just I was confused. I was like, are you saying that's his last name? No, I've also never seen it.
1: I don't know that I have ever fully through. I just remember it used to play like on Easter Sunday on the TV
0: at my grandma's house. I'm reading a fiction book right now about Egyptology, and they talk about this book a lot in it. I mean, they talk about the Ten Commandments movie a lot in it. So that's how that name was fresh in my brain. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) Just a
1: little sidetrack from our Psalm 23 soothing vibes there that we had (laughs) just thought you needed that so the hebrew words get into um being led or guided to a watering place or bringing to a place of rest or refresh and even the Hebrew word for quiet means resting place or to rest. And the word that is translated, my shepherd, is a form of the word Ra, which means to tend. So all, like, all of this language is like, he's a God of connection. He's a God of co-regulation. His safety is in us and through us because his connection is available to us all the time. And I just, I think that's so powerful. It makes me think differently about that. It's not like he's keeping us from. The enemy, but he's like in the presence of your enemy, you're regulated because you know you're safe and you're in me. And because you're in me, you have the same power that I have living in you to deal with it then, you know? So that makes me rethink that scripture, the perfect love cast out fear, because it's when I'm in the presence of perfect love, when I'm regulated by perfect love, when I'm in direct connection with perfect love, that same power and authority and groundedness and
0: rootedness is in me then i have two random thoughts about this the first is that in this egyptology novel i'm reading um the main character is a death doula where she actually kind of she guides people when while they're dying and gives them any kind of comfort they need not nursing like not health related but like any loosens they want to tie up or just having a presence there, like helping them co-regulate as they walk into death and people, she talks about how people deal with a lot of fear when they're facing death because it's such an unknown thing to us that we want to deny, deny, deny that we're going to happen. But at the moment of dying, when there's a new witness that occurs when, when people are dying, she said, all of a sudden you can tell on their face, their whole countenance changes, fear is gone and peace is all over their features and mm-hmm. that. And that's what I was thinking of when you just said that, like it. The danger of death didn't go away. They're yeah. still dying. But the peace is what filled, and even in the act of the danger of that new that the unknown occurring, the peace is what floods them because there's new withness they're experiencing.
1: Yeah. That withness with others, with ourselves, with God. It's really a powerful antidote. It's really powerful. Wow. I like that metaphor. That's cool.
0: You should read the book. Is it a fiction? Yeah. It's just a Jodi <laughs> Pico novel. I don't know. It's really good, but it it's making me think a lot. It's not even a Christian book, but it's making me think a lot about um death because it talks about the past like mummies and how they prepared for death in Egypt, ancient Egypt, but also how do we prepare for death now because she's a death doula. And it just, there's a lot of that, the fear of the unknown. How do you prepare? How do you know, are you living the kind of life that's going to get you where you want to go or whatever. And I just think that when we know the presence of the Lord and when we are walking in integration, reintegration, wholeness, integrity of who we are and who we were made to be, just there's so much less fear that we need to take with us because the more and more withness we have, the less fear of the unknown later.
1: Yeah. And really, we're just moving into a place where we're fully in the presence of the Lord. Um, that was kind of the second part to that just little mm-hmm. nugget that God dropped in my heart during worship the other day. It was that as I'm fully known, it takes a dropping of the self-protection and a dropping of the things that keep me from being transparently known Um, which is a little scary. It's kind of, it feels like a sort of invasive, reckless love that wants to like see everything. But also he knows that that oneness with him is the thing that ultimately will bring us the most healing and connection. And so part of this journey of transformation and healing or inner healing, whatever you want to call it, the work that we have to do is learning how to drop those things that keep us disconnected Um, and this is not a conversation about what healthy boundaries looks like. (laughs) We're just all assuming that we believe that God is, knows what healthy boundaries are. I'm not talking about having no boundaries with others. I think there's a really good, um, a lot to be said like even insecure attachment i just heard this uh two weeks ago at a conference that it's like uh sling swinging doors you know like those kinds of little doors that used to go from like the kitchen area in the to a saloon yeah, yeah. to a saloon yeah they like swing back and forth but secure attachment looks like that you could there's like there's a certain boundary of you and me but there's some it, easy ways to access in and out of that, but there's still like a defining where I stop and you begin and vice versa. So we're not having that conversation right now, but, but in secure attachment, there is an ability to allow in and allow out. And what we don't have the ability to do in our disconnection is know what walls, what doors are still locked. And I felt like there was just an invitation for me that morning from the Lord, like that part of your heart, That's still under lock and key because of control, because of fear, because your fear disconnection, if you'd let me have access, I'd actually bring the connection you need there. And the fear would not have such a stronghold, you know, Mm. but the fear is really the part for me, at least, I don't know that this is true in every situation, but the fear for me is what if I unlock this? What if I let go of the control of this? Um, but it was such a beautiful invitation from him because he wasn't condemning me for the fear or the lock. He was just saying that was your solution and it worked for a while, but now what you're recognizing is the disconnection and your heart's longing for connection. And I'm the one that can fix that, but you gotta, you gotta open the lock. You gotta let me in, you know, Um, it was a really beautiful invitation. And I just felt like this peace of God flood over me. And it was really cool. I would say this, Andi has some really great practical steps you can take in each chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're interested in doing any of this work, it's not just like good information, but she really breaks it down in a way that like this exercise, put your hand on your heart, breathe like this, say this, focus on that. What are you attuning to? What are you sensing? Um, So it's, it's a very practical handbook, I think.
0: Yeah, I am taking my time getting through it just because I think there's so much goodness in it. Um like it feels like I'm highlighting all the time as I read, but it's it's one of I think the best books that I've read on doing some of that inner work and that self-connection and learning how to how to be with God. Like she just weaves it so beautifully together. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review so other people can find us.
1: You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries, and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace.
0: For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities, and you can follow me at Enneagram Megan on Instagram. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast. Plus
1: you can click the resources tab to find books by all the authors we've spoken to or about, and you can find it at dauntlessgrace.org.